I scroll down to shit. Yep. It's quiet in here tonight. Peaceful. I can actually hear the sound of my own voice. I know. I said Ben Joe now. <laughs> if you've been me, there's no show. That's the problem. That'll actually happen. Huh? Oh, it won't be me. It'll be a VPN too. Oh, <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute. Don't worry. But It'll yeah, bit, you know what? <clears throat> Between the two of us tonight, we actually might be able to. We might be able to get through some actual content. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it'd be more serious. All right. I'll give no credit to this side ever. I'll give no respect to this side ever. John O'Brook, honorary blue brother, Will Hayes. Yeah, Mr. Paul Sebastiani, welcome back to the show, mate. This one game is a build-up of, you know, a year's worth of work. That's, That's if you think of his performance. And I gave my opinion. <laughs> it's an opinion-based podcast, fair enough. <laughs> Welcome, everyone, to episode number 85 of the Almost Blues Brothers podcast, brought to you by Piata Health and Performance and powered by the Blue Broad Podcast Network and YouTube channel. Straight off the bat, there's only two of us, and you can see that it's just me and Jules tonight. First, Jules, before I ask how you're going, just one thing I need to say. My Wi-Fi will drop out. I've already explained to you prior to the show why, Okay. This computer's connected to a global VPN. That VPN drops out every now and then. It affects my Wi-Fi and my connection. If I drop out, Jules is going to take full control of the show for 10 seconds. If he doesn't, he's dropped next week. Secondly, before we get I'm to Dan. I'm looking forward to it. Secondly, before we get to Dan, how are you, Jules? I'm good. I'm good. Obviously, another win makes it, you know, the next three, four days after into looking into the pod um, a lot easier, doesn't it? Especially on a long weekend, Easter weekend. Now, Oof. there's a lot of people wondering, where is Dan? Dan's got better banter. We need Dan. Where's he at? I know. We know. He's the star of the show. He tells us every week. But unfortunately, Dan has some family matters to attend to this week. Our thoughts are with him and his family, and he will be back in action uh, in due course. Uh, but until then, you got me and Jules, and maybe a guest next week if Dan can't make it. But uh, we're still going to give you... We're still going to give you a good show. <laughs> just because Dan's not here doesn't mean there's no show. All right? This is, wow, just, gonna, this is just as good. Uh, listen, first off. How's your week? Get... How's your week? Well, I was, gonna, I was actually going to no, ask I you. I was going to ask you how you were. And you're like, no, nah, you want, he wanted to spill the beans in front of all the listeners. So I'm like, you know what, Joe? Here's your time. Here's your time. I'll give you your time now. You know what? I appreciate you asking me how I'm going for once. That's nice. No, the the, the long weekend was good. Easter weekend, we, I uh, obviously the footy on Friday, but then uh, had some you know family Easter festivities over the weekend on Saturday and Sunday. Played golf yesterday in pouring rain, uh, but that never stops you. And then uh, today, so this is what I was getting to today. If I said so, it's olive season. Okay, making olives. Mm-hmm. If I asked you. How many kilos do you think I picked at dad's house today? What's your guess? From that one tree. From the two trees that he's got. From the two trees. I, weren't you going to go get some from like Corey's trees and things like that no, as well? Just those no. two trees. We did that. We did that in the afternoon, but just my batch. How many kilos? And leave leave a guess in the chat while we do this. How many kilos of olives do you think I picked today? Is anyone close in the chat so far? I'm not going to tell you. you I need you, gone you, 13. GIS is gone. Five. Some people are going 23, 24 kilograms. Just give me your estimate. How hard is it? I'm going to go 21. Nah, 17. 17. Oh, I, was 
17 and a half kilos. And then we went to my mate's house this afternoon and we picked another 21 there. Oh, see, that's where I was getting the 21 from. We've Jesus. got we've got olives for the next four years. <laughs> if you want oh. olives. <laughs> to, to be fair, lately I've been smashing olives. You know yeah. what I've been smashing? Anchovies. These Spanish anchovies. Oh, oh okay. Get in nah, touch with you the culture. Can't, you can't. You can't diss this. These things are inspirational. The flavor in, in these. And you know what? They come in a can and you're like, I'm not really, you know, I'm very skeptical about canned things. Yeah. You know, ba- baked beans. I know your dad loves baked beans, but not for me. <laughs> I've had, I've had, um, uh, not anchovy, like mackerel, out of, mackerel, oh, mackerel and sardines and, sar- and sardines out of a can. Spanish I've had style. sardines, good, but mackerel? That's good shit. Nah, anchovies better. Go for them. Oh, you know what? I've got some here. I'll, br- I'll bring you some. I didn't realize this was a contest between what was better out of three fish styles, but anyway. all right, fair enough. Anyway. Uh, yes, Ari, that is it, it is great and very ethnic of me to be making olives, <laughs> and and yes, Clarence, they are they will be Sicilian style olives is what we're known for. So anyway, I'm excited. It's it's the first time I've done it in about ten years, I reckon, uh, and it was a good day. Enough about me, Jules. How are you, man? What did you what did you get up to before we get into the footy? Oh, not much, boys, to be honest. Oh, Joe, I'm too, too you know, obviously speaking with Dan as well. Um, just been obviously not much, to be honest, just relaxing. Obviously, you know, the normal facilities as you do. We actually had a for our family gathering on the Friday uh, before the actual game, before we headed out to obviously watch the, the Carlton North game. Um, and then just obviously just casual one over the weekend. Um, and then headed out today, went, went to go get a, um, a toasty. If anyone is in a, either the Richmond, Fitzroy, or South Melbourne area, this is a bit of a um, what do they call it these days? A bit of a plug uh, for Hector's Deli. If you haven't, go to Hector's Deli. The toast. Where's that? In all three toast. suburbs. All three suburbs. All three suburbs. So you got Fitzroy, one in Fitzroy, one in Richmond, one in South Melbourne. Now they're not a sponsor of the show. I don't, I'm not a shareholder or anything like that. All right. I just went there today. It was inspirational. The flavor in these things was, it was ridiculous. If anyone, if, if, if anyone that works first off, that works at Hector's Alley or owns it is watching right now, you can hit us up at almost blues brothers at gmail.com. If you want a sponsorship. Or, or any cafe or any cafe or restaurant or bar or anything and like if, that, please. And if anyone, with us. And if anyone knows anyone at Hector's Daly, let them know to hit us up at almostbluesbrothers at gmail.com. While we're there, if you are a returning listener, welcome back. If you're new, welcome to the show. If you haven't already, you can follow us on Instagram at almostbluesbrothers and on Twitter at almostbluesbros. And while you're here, leave a like and subscribe to the Blue Broad YouTube channel. It helps this community out immensely if you are subscribed. Um, and this community is growing every single day this season, especially considering the start that we've had. Jules, as you Talk can see, Jules, Jules is still a little bit sick. You'll see yeah. him mute himself and cough every now and then. We're in all sorts here, man, like we are every week. But we've got a show to do. We've got things to get through. And without any further ado, let's get into it. Welcome 
Round four review against North Melbourne. The Blues are still undefeated in the 2023 AFL season. We, I, I put a tweet out after the game pretty much straight away and said that well, you're, you're blind, top, you? top of the tables never looked more shaky, which is <laughs> which was correct at the time. But top two, only two teams left that are undefeated, us and St. Kilda. If we can beat the Crows this week, it sets up a massive clash in two weeks' time at Marble. Before we get into the nitty-gritty, Jules, uh, what do you think of the day from a Good Friday appeal perspective and the marquee and whatnot? Do you think that's something that's going to be- that we'll that we'll continue to do going forward and and obviously continue to benefit not only us but more specifically the appeal as well? I thought it was a brilliant day and it was it was it was done really well. Yeah, to be honest with you, I have no doubt about that. Um, Carlton's going to be evolved in the in the future every single round um, on the Good Good Friday day. Um, even the lead up, like obviously over the course of the week in the media, um, you know, Carl, Carlton, um, even Gov, he had a little bit of a, a video that he'd um, mm. interview a couple of people um, where the Good Friday appeal and the day in the hospital, everything like that was um, obviously deep, deepest in their hearts. Um, and, you know, even obviously with Doc and everything like that as well around his health, um, you could see there was a few photo photos and you could see how much it touched him. Um, you could also see, for example, the way Holland's, um, before obviously he ran out with the team, um, in the banner alongside the North Melbourne, which also I felt like as if that was a good touch as well. He actually had boots signed, um, and he gave them to an actual, um, a, a child, um, that obviously, um, was at the Royal Hospital, um, at yep. some stage. Um, so I just felt like as if there was a number of things, um, and even just little, testaments like that from Holland. He's only 18, 18 years old, um, but even the club, the way they conduct themselves, both, both North Melbourne and Carlton, um, it's probably pretty fitting. Um, I don't know why it wasn't North Melbourne and Carlton originally, knowing where the two suburbs sort of, um, you know, fit. They're so obviously so close and situated, so close together that it for me, thinking about it now, and this is only just something that's sort of coming to my mind as, as I'm sort of speaking, is why wasn't it these two clubs originally? I think also, and so, correct me if I'm wrong in the comments, but I thought that Friday Night Footy, so I know Friday Night Footy was a North Melbourne initiative way back when. They were the yeah. ones that pioneered it. And I've got a feeling that we may have been one of the first teams to pioneer it with them. Okay. But I may be wrong on that. But regardless, I think you're right. That this North Melbourne Carlton game on a Friday, it, it screams more of a marquee matchup than what the Bulldogs matchup did for me. Yeah. And um, and it wouldn't surprise me, to be honest, if this match gets moved to a Friday night footy fixture next year for even bigger numbers on TV. Um, and potentially even at the MCG, because the crowd that we got there was immense. It was yeah, it was, it was, it was coming. crazy. It was crazy. Even leaving after the game, I've sort of got a <laughs> Belen and I, my partner, we got in a bit of um it was just it was that packed. And obviously they're doing works on it at the moment as well. So there was like different, you know, and on the outskirts, so it was a bit more narrow space than usual. Mm. Um, but it was humming. Humming, pumping. humming, humming. Pumping. Uh just before we move on, Jules, Jimmy R asks, What did the toasty cost you at Hector's? <sighs> I want to keep this going because the more we talk about Hector's I, I think it was about 15 bucks from memory. 
But that was just the added bad. additions, though. Okay, it's not bad. And was, yeah. but to be fair, it wasn't just like a normal, you know, Wonder Bread type toasty. It was something special. And and another bit of free advertising for Hector's just this might turn into something. I don't know. But Gav Whelan says that the toasties look amazing. You've seen their work on TikTok. So go follow Hector's Daily on TikTok as well. And if that doesn't get us a sponsorship, I don't know what will, to be honest. I really don't. <laughs> There's nothing more we can do. Uh no, look, it was it was a it was a brilliant day, the way that it was all put on. But obviously, for us, the more important thing, uh, well, not the more important thing, but the reason that we're all there is for the footy. And the final scores in the end read North Melbourne 11 18 84 to Carlton 16 11 107. The Blues 23 point winners. The goal kickers for the Blues Honey, Silvani, DeConning, and Durden one each. Motlop with two, Mackay with four, and King Charles with six on the deck at Marvel. The only injury was Gov with a thigh. Um, and I'm not who was replaced by Jack Carroll in the fourth. I don't know how serious that thigh issue is. We haven't had any reports on it since, but. He looked okay after the game. I don't think he's going to miss the Adelaide clash at this point. I'd be very, very surprised. Um, and it's good to go through another week unscathed at this point. Now, first thing to talk about, I think, for, for me, before we get into analysing the game, we've got another tribunal appeal that will be happening before Thursday. I want to – I really, really – just give me two minutes here, Jules. Uh, not to rant, time, not to rant, but this needs to be said. I completely understand, completely understand that we need to protect the head at all costs. I completely understand the environment that the football community is in at the moment with, uh, with this concussion. Um, what's the word? Uh, the, the legalities around concussion at the yeah. moment. With the and, and the scrutiny as well. I completely understand it. And I'm all for protecting the head, right? I think the Tom Lynch incident from the Bulldogs game, sending him straight to the tribunal, is 100% needs to happen, right? Three weeks, four weeks minimum. Harry Mackay's hit on Sheasel, we'll get to in a minute. But there were two other hits throughout the game. Cam Zerha on Adam Chera with a high fend-off that clearly, clearly left Chera with a bit of a black eye. Luke McDonald on Harry Mackay earlier in the game, literally coming across a marking contest and elbowing him in the head, like flying through the air. I get that it's a spoiling contest, but he still made contact with the head. Football incident. Harry Mackay is a 204-centimeter key forward that has... Elected to not bump. It's not even a bump. It was a push. It was it, it was a shove. He is elected to shove a bloke that is 25 centimeters shorter than him. If Harry was on his knees, he probably still would have made contact with his head at some point. At this point, the MRO and the tribunal have got to be kidding themselves if we think that it's okay to rub players out for a week for that. There was no concussion test, from what I've heard, done by the North Melbourne Football Club, and there was no concussion um uh, diagnosis administered by their doctors on Sheasel after the game. It was a free kick, absolutely. Free kick. It was silly by Harry, but it was a, and it was a free kick. But think back to preseason. Trent Cotchin pile drove someone headfirst into the ground and got a fine straight out from the MRO. Tom Lynch has repeatedly hit players behind the ball in the head, punched them, knocked them, 
kick, like whatever. We've seen so much from Tom Lynch. He's never been graded as medium impact. We saw Charlie Ballard last week for the Suns get off on this exact same incident. So this is why I'd be surprised if H didn't play. But the MRO is absolutely kidding themselves, kidding themselves if they think that is medium impact. And they are kidding themselves. This is the biggest point. They're kidding themselves if they think that they would give that grading for that hit either the week before finals or the week before a grand final and rub a player out for a week. There's no consistency. This rubric or criteria that they've come up with, with at the moment, it's frankly complete bullshit because there's no consistency week to week on what these hits are. And thirdly, they're just costing this club money to appeal uh, yet again, another hit at the tribunal that is going to get off. And if it doesn't, this game is in a state that we've never seen. And it's it's in it's for me it's in dangerous dangerous territory because that was not even close, not even close to medium impact. I'm done. For me, it's a free kick at best. To be honest with you, um, it's a free kick. It was late. Yeah, it was it's a late. free kick at best. Um, for me, it's almost. I actually said it into the, in the group chat that we have. Um, I think it was only a couple of days ago that I said it's an embarrassment to the game um, that these things are happening. Um, you know, it's – is it – do you think – do you think the AFL are just trying to get eyes on – eyes on AFL for these for these kinds of – especially a player like Harry? Do you think that you could mean? be something that's potential? So it's just – it's another it's another big, um, big article, you know, a big headline I'd, that no, potentially I'd, is I'd, missing. I think I think this is the AFL overreacting to the environment that they've been placed in based on this lawsuit that's come against them for, for concussion. Yeah. And I get it. I get it. Right? We don't want we don't want players, we don't want players late in their careers to like Paddy McCartan on the weekend. I don't know if you saw the incident, but his head knock was looked yeah. as innocuous as it gets and he was out cold, right? He's yeah. someone that I look at in and maybe a Joel Salwood that in 10, 15 years' time, they worry me with the incidents they've been involved in. And you don't want to see that. But the Harry Mackay incident was no worse, no worse than the Luke McDonald incident earlier in the game, which didn't get looked at. And it was no worse than the high fend-off from Cam Zerha, which didn't get looked at. So where's the consistency? Either yeah, all my, three my, either all three are rubbed out or none yeah. of them are rubbed out. My, my, my thing is if we... If we're gonna sit and say that's the benchmark, so from regard, like in terms of the lowest probably grading of head high contact in regards to um, Harry Mackay, the other ones that we did mention during the game, how many? But how many are there like that every single weekend? Every single game, there's going to be two, three, four players missing each week. Um, each week, I would team. hate. I would hate for an incident like that in a prelim to cost someone a chance at running out in a grand final. And this is what I'm saying. The MRO and the AFL kid themselves if they think that they would that they would grade that as medium impact in a final season. Mate, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. Jerry McCameron today, all right, mate, if that was medium contact, then that's high contact that what he'd put on the umpire today. <laughs> Did you not see it? How it. many how many weeks is he getting? Yeah, none. <laughs> that's fair enough though. That was that was actually very funny to watch, to be honest. Uh, but no, honestly, like head head contact, I get it. It's a fine at best. Like we can, you can still reprimand players for head head high contact, but that cannot be graded medium. It just can't. It can't. If that's graded medium impact, mate, a a, a tackle where where your arm slips, hot, literally, like a high tackle. What's a high tackle then? 
a high tackle should be high medium, impact. medium impact. But do you know what I mean? Like every tackle yeah. will be screwed. Every high tackle should be scrutinized if that's yeah. the case. It was crazy. But even exactly for right. example, when you've got, you know, you got the player and they're on the, on the grounds and they sort of shove their head into the player that's in front of them, obviously going for the ball, but they do it, try to yeah. get a free kick. Um, what, what, what are we going to do with that? It's still head high contact. Agree. Agree. Same and thing. It, it's, for me, it's ridiculous. I've, it sets a day, dangerous precedent. I, I agree with Clarence Wally. Um, so it's just a dangerous precedent you know, of what could happen in the future. Like, you're just going to be running out players left, right, and center. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Um, Michael Gazzola has a, has a comment here. You missed a key point. Could Harry have done something else? MRO weigh this up in his case. Yeah, yes. I agree with that as well. But at the end of the day, he. I felt like as if he was trying to pull out in the first place, much like Acres the week before. The hands, the hands went up as soon as as soon yeah. as he realised he slipped off his shoulder. The hands went up. So I don't think Harry meant to hurt him. I don't think he meant to get him high. It was meant to be a bump, and it wasn't even a bump. It was just a clumsy push. Yeah, I feel like as if we're trying to. <clears throat> it's we're trying to protect the players by trying to prevent the action too much rather than the outcome or the potential outcome of the action. So, I and, both- what I mean by, and what I mean by that is, for example, with the Harry Mackay, that player, whoever it was, they'll never get him hurt. Never. 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 So I feel like as if the, yeah, I don't know if it's in writing, the he's, way it's you know what, he's- cetera, but it, he's, he, wasn't, he was never going to be hurt and hurt the player. I think um, Sheasel, it was. He was never going to hurt him. Yeah, and we're going to move on from this because we don't want to talk about the appeal that is coming all night. That'll be dealt with tomorrow. I don't know if Terry's setting one up, if he's going to have another live stream of the appeal, but I'm assuming for a player of Harry's caliber, he may. So keep your eyes on the Blue Broad channel just in case that does pop up for tomorrow. But, you know, it, this this just honestly needs to it, – it needs to be reined in just a little bit, just a little bit. Like the – the definition of medium impact in that case for one week, a one week suspension for a hit like that is absolutely, it would be, it would be, it would be, it would be, it would be uh, disappointing, disappointing if this was upheld. Very, very disappointing. Not, not because he's our player, but for the state of the game, for the oh, state for of the sure. game. And for, for sure. anyone that wants to say, Joe, you're biased, I'm not. I did I did this three weeks ago on Shane McAdams' hit when I said that shouldn't be three weeks. It can't be worse than Cozzy's hit, and it was. It was graded as worse. And this is this is the precedent that we're going into with this this criteria that they've that they've come up with. Because certain things will be looked at as medium, certain things won't, they probably should. That's all. Yeah. Yeah, I saw this comment from Stuart. Yeah, that's <laughs> his mother. I was, his thinking, I was thinking of my childhood. Well, yeah, Stu's mum gave him a harder clip across the year uh, than what Harry gave to Sheasel. But I've seen, I've seen worse than that, Jules, from our childhood. I reckon. <laughs> I reckon you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, all right, let's get let's get into the analysis now, Jules. And to kick it off, there's probably no better way, really. I don't know if you agree. Book of Judd? No. Just quickly, just quickly, uh, from Odin Imaging, a bit late to Convo, but they can also vouch for Hector's Dally. They're absolutely incredible. So that's another little plug for Hector's. If anyone Look, knows them, just, give them a word. If, if, tell them we're out here. 
If you want to sponsor the show, this is the airtime we're going to give you. That's all I'm saying. And Jules, on Cassano's calcs, which we're getting into now, I said to you, I said to you pre-show, I didn't want to know what you were going to say. So I don't know. I don't even know what's coming here. Yeah, well, I when, when was it? Was it Saturday? I was sort of posting a few ideas, obviously, in our group chat. And I was like, you know what? I wanted to, to, to discuss like the work rate and the intensity. Um, but I found something else that I just wanted to bring out, which is very interesting because there's a conversation um on fox sports that um around we're still winning games but we're not at our best okay i think uh, it was Hunter. firstly, was on. firstly oh, go. what what was the first stat you're going to go with distance distance covered correct what yeah was i it? think we covered 286 commas they just they covered 283 commas so it was only three kilometers difference um, but we had the top five players, and within the top five players, I think they had 1.52 kilometers um, combined together. Um, that was um, within the three Ks. I still think I still think that's a good stat because three Ks between five players is actually correct. Yeah, it's massive. So for me, it's sort of like the reason why I wanted to point that out was was because what are the other players doing? Yeah. All right. Fair, so fair. that that was something I wanted to to look into as well. But then um, I was like, I can't really get all the other players' stats unless I go like delving into a bit much. You know what I mean? Champion um, data. Then I obviously Champion. just got home Champion. before, and I was like, sorry, Champion Data. Yes. Yeah, wait. If you if anyone knows David, anyone, let me know. David King. David King over here. <sighs> me. <laughs> go. <laughs> nah, so look, I've worked this out um, literally probably an hour or so before the show, but I wanted to look and check out um, 2022 and compare it to 2023 just to see how we're going. What do you reckon was our one wood over the course of the first half of the season, Joe? What do you center, reckon was our one wood? Center clearances. Yeah, or just clearances overall. Would, okay. would you not say that? Yeah, yep, whether it's sure. selfish clearances, et cetera. All right. Yep, so sure. let's go this year. All right, anyway, let's start off with last year, 2022. So first round, um, clearances, plus 18. Second round, plus seven. Round three, plus six. Round four, negative 16. Negative right. 16, mind you, that was get the Gold Coast game, um, you know, up there, all right? But I wanted to go the four rounds because I wanted to give it a, a better comparison with uh, 2023, all right? So overall, we're plus 15 last year. Okay. Opening four rounds. This year. Negative four, round one. Negative three, round two. Uh, plus five, round three. And negative 11, round four. Okay. Overall, negative 13. That's, a, mm. that's 30, the difference. 30. Okay. So for me, it just shows that, yeah, our midfield group, we're not at our best, probably have a few outs, to be honest with you, over the last three, four rounds. Um, but... We're finding ways, and the way yeah. we're doing that is the turnover game, which we're getting Absolutely. better at. And we didn't, and we didn't have that last year. And mind you, the second half of the year, okay, we went away from our clearances. Where that wasn't really, we weren't really dominant there, and we weren't winning games, and we we're struggling because we didn't have that other elements of our game. This year, at the beginning of the year, we have it, and we're winning games off the back of that. That's, you know what? I'm gonna go out and say that's your best. Cassano's calc segment you've ever done. I should leave it late more often. Because you actually did some research this time. You didn't just look at the stat sheet and I go, know. that'll do it. I know. I know. 
<laughs> no, that's hey, that's huge. Thirty a differential of thirty across the first four rounds is so. We've all been worried, obviously, that the midfield isn't working. That this midfield mix that we saw last year uh, across the court, not just across the first four rounds, but across the course of the season, that dominated and beat up groups of of other midfield units. It hasn't it honestly hasn't been there, and that's that's plain to see. We're not as brutal. We're not as. It doesn't feel like we're as tough as what we were. Um, but we've taken 14 out of 16 points so far. And preseason, I remember on one of these shows, I said, what I want to see this year is scoring from transition and stopping defensive transition. And I think, to be fair, to be fair, even though we've lost a little bit of our one wood, which we'll get to the inclusions that will come this week for Thursday when we talk about the Adelaide game, that will probably help that immensely. Uh, even without that one wood, we've been putting teams away. And we haven't allowed, you know, that that run of like four, five, six goals that we so usually do. So I think that's um, I think that's something we definitely need to hang our hat on, one hundred percent. And and the way I feel like is if I think the boys have sort of said it. I know Walsh has said it. I know Weeders has said it um, in the media as well. And they don't want to be peaking now this time of year. Yep. Good teams don't peak at this time of the year. And we're still winning games and we're not even at our best. Um, now, mind you, I don't know if we're going to reach our best, okay? That's still, you know, a question mark, to, to be fair. Um, with the added additions and with, obviously, um, the improvement, obviously, in the center bounces and around the stoppages, et cetera, um, which I think should happen, um, it's going to be quite scary. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That's uh, That was good. Well done, Jules. You've brought some quality to the show. It's good. Take your hat off. Uh, Now, in terms of the game itself, uh, first half was deplorable. Like, beyond... How's this, actually? If you go back and listen to last week's episode, I should put it in because it was a little bit of a pump up for me. But I said, first half, don't be surprised if we're down at halftime or very, very close because they're going to come out firing. And to their credit... I even said to you at the ground, they did. They actually came out with a bit of hunger because they wanted to make sure that they keep this marquee matchup and whatnot. The second half would blow them out. Literally exactly what I said, and we'd probably win by 40. We probably should have won by more than 40, 60 at the end of the day, and we took the foot off. We'll get there in a minute. But just you tipped the cap before. I'm going to tip the cap now. Between the two of us, quality. Just quality content (laughs) on this podcast. (laughs) Now, that first half, their their hunger for the contest aside and their hunger to work harder than us aside, we were putrid. That was, honestly, I think that might have been the worst half of football that we've played probably since that Brisbane game last year at the Gabba that yeah. I can remember. That We yeah. were shocking, shocking. Very sluggish, Friday. a lot of turnovers. Um, by a few players that you don't, you wouldn't really see it from. Yeah. Like Fisher, for example. Fisher. Yeah. Yeah. Over a few, um, which I was quite surprised. I think even Weedering as well. Um, yep. Which looked so panicked. For me. Like they looked, they looked panicked at times. It was, it didn't mm-hmm. make sense to me. It's like they, yeah. they thought they didn't have as much time on the ball as what they probably did. Yeah. A lot of it was happening as well from, you know, like a, a from a mark as well. So obviously, like going off, off, off the mark and then it's still not obviously hitting the kick. So um, I think it's going to be interesting to see. Um, you know, what we can do to obviously manage that area for improvement. Um, but I think Fisher did step up in the second half. Um, I have to say, I have he to did. say, 
and, and to, to be fair, we've been on his back a little bit as well over the last few weeks. Um, so, yeah, I feel like as if he's only going to be – I feel, especially over the next few weeks when we do get our players, all right, back in, I think he's going to go on another level because of it. I think he's going to be able to get the service that he actually needs to be able to produce what he can. It's interesting with Fisher because he had 28 disposals on the day. I think he was our highest disposal getter or second highest disposal second, getter. Second, I, I think Cripps then. Apparently, Cripps, Fisher, appa- then apparently he went at 80% and only turned the ball over five times. But watching the game live mm. without looking at the stat sheet, it felt like every time he went near the ball, it's not yeah, a slide was, on him. And I know was, we've I know we've we've been a bit harsh on him this year because we're expecting a lot more from him. And I still expect a lot more from him considering how long he's been in the system now and what we need from him. But that felt like the least effective 28 disposal game watching live that I've seen. And then on reflection, I haven't watched the replay in full yet, and I, I still want to do that. Just to watch Fisher, but he turned the ball over. Or, or if it wasn't a direct turn, turnover from him, he put his teammate into a position where they had to turn it over. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it felt yeah, like it was- every time every time he was in that that little pocket on the wing that he was trapped and just didn't know what yeah. to do with it. There was, so- there was one time we received that handball, um, the handball receive um, off a of mark, and then he was sort of on that side of the wing where it wasn't really natural for a left footer. So then yeah. he obviously quickly had to handball the the ball quickly off to another player and put the player under the pump. I can't remember who it was. I think it was might have been Cowan or someone. Um, so, yeah, I feel like as if we we sort of got to be better at picking up top moments where when to go quick and when not. Yep. You know, well, I feel like we're still was, struggling in that area, was... but I do prefer going I, I do prefer going quick. I prefer it. Um, but, yeah, we this still was... got to pick up moments. This is what frustrated me in the first half. We sat level three nosebleeds this week, which was actually a really good bird's eye view for having a look at how we're trying to move the ball and how we're setting up defensively. I thought defensively we're actually okay, right? Other than maybe when we turn the ball over and we're caught out, I thought from their kick-ins, we were as structured as what they were on our kick-ins in that first half. It was very hard for them to get out like it was hard for us to get out. What was pissing me off to no end was on our kick-ins or when we t- when we were able to force a turnover on the back half, in the first half, I did not see one switch of the football to the up to the fat side of the ground. And it was on three, four, five times. And I was screaming. You remember, Jules. I was screaming yeah, I for it by the end of that half, right? And I'm tearing my hair out going, it's a 30, 40-meter kick across the ground. We've got the out number. If there is a turnover, we should still win the contest and be able to clean up. And we didn't. Look there once. We kept going back to that wing, back to that wing, back to that wing that North was set up for, and they just kept rebounding and rebounding and rebounding back inside 50. And it was pissing me off, pissing yeah. me off to no end. Because my, my thing is, look, I, I'm, I love football. I watch a lot of football, um, but obviously played a lot of football, but soccer, obviously. Um, and Joe obviously did a little bit of analysis as well um, whilst I was playing. Um, all we did especially around our defense in football or soccer was yep. move the ball across, move it across at pace as quickly as possible. All right. Cause it's sort of like uncontested in, in, in a way. All the, right. The, and then what the we do it, is we, the, the way that wait. it was described, the way that it was described was that you need to change the angle of attack. If it's not working down one side. Correct. All right. And then from there, if you're able to move the ball um, into the middle, 
Okay, because then obviously once you move the ball into the middle, it's a bit more dangerous, um, especially yep. in even football for that matter. Um, but it opens up the options to go left pocket, right pocket, obviously in full footy terms or down the middle. Okay, um, and it makes it a lot, it makes it a lot more difficult for defenders. All right, because as a defender, you sort of want to just narrow your um, your angles down as much as possible. So you want the ball in front of you, you want your player in front of you. Um, and it makes it a lot easier if it's like that. But obviously, if you're, you know, parallel, okay, it makes it a lot more difficult to see what everything's around you, okay, because you st- you got to be spinning your head um, a lot more, all right? So um, in football, it's the same. And then obviously with football as well, um, you, you're able to see different angles, okay? And then from there, if players up from the opposition team aren't working hard enough to cover the angles or, or getting close enough to the man to be able to, to make an effect, then that's when your option on the ball, okay, when you are in possession, you're able to obviously punish accordingly. So um, I feel like as if it's something that we need to work on um, and we sort of need to back ourselves, especially with the kicking um, that Saad, Gov, Doc has, even Cowan now um, and Weedering in the back line. They're all efficient kicks. I don't know why they don't back themselves a little bit more. Oh, mate, like the fact that that ball, that switch was on and we've got, and, and the fact that now we've got wingers at our disposal that run all day and can create mm. that space. And we still, it's not even that we don't take the option. We don't even look like your first, your first option should be to look for that switch straight away to move the ball. The only one, the only one that does it consistent, consistently enough for mine at the moment is Mitch McGovern. Every time he marks the ball on the halfback flank, he looks straight across the ground and takes the first kick that he can see, more often than not, unless he's got nothing. But he does it consistently. Every other player in that back line or anyone that turns the ball over in that back half just doesn't look there. Just have yeah. a look. And if it's there, take it. I'd rather us turn the ball over there, taking the game on, knowing that probably six or seven times out of ten, it's going gonna, it's gonna to work out and we're going to be able to punish a team. Because going back to the well on that same wing, time and time and time again it's it's going to get you nowhere it will get and it got us nowhere in that first half how we weren't if we played like that against a better side than north melbourne we would have been put to the sword in that first half we cannot do that against better teams we just can't you got to take the game on you see colling will do it i don't say do i'm not saying do it as often as what colling will do it because i think they do it way too much and that's very very easy to expose a team like that but there are there are moments that you've got to pick like you said Jules and we didn't pick them in the first half Third quarter started, third quarter started, and I swear to you, tell me if I'm lying, Jules, five minutes in, first time we had the ball in our back half, we switched the ball without even thinking, and I jumped out of my seat like we'd scored because I knew that we were going to see something. You got on mute. You haven't frozen yet. Muted myself. You're on mute. Uh, yeah, I didn't freeze. I muted myself. Uh, and that we were finally going to see. I might have to chat. I might we'll... have to have a chat to the VPN. And that we'll finally, that's true. I haven't dropped out yet. We were finally going to see something different in that third quarter. And we did. We blew them out. Like, yeah. like I called it a call. We, we both, we both, yeah, you actually did. <laughs> Jules, to his credit, turned to me at halftime and he goes, six unanswered. Yeah. And it was six unanswered. <laughs> I nailed it. <laughs> nailed it. But it's footy's not a hard game when you break it down like that. It's really not. Take your moments, take the game on, and expose your opposition. You've got to change the angle of attack, and we've got to start doing that a lot more often, especially against this Thursday night against the side against Adelaide. We're going to have to take this game on because if we start yeah. doing what we did against North, they will punish us. They'll punish yeah. us. It's especially like when we've when the other teams set up 
obviously in a zone as well. You really need to move him around and and not um, just kick the ball long down the line because that's what they want. You know, um, they're going to try get numbers around there very very quickly to obviously you know repel from that and obviously you know get the ball um, from their D fifty into forward fifty as quick as possible well on the. Um, as possible on the transition. So I think it's going to be interesting to see how the Adelaide game plays out because they've been really, really good, um, especially last round and round four. They've been they've shown that they are more than prepared to take the game on and to play a modern style of football. And speaking about, before we get to the fourth quarter and the fade out, speaking of modern footy, A reading from the book of Judd, chapter 10, page 73. In modern football, broadly speaking, there are two types of coach, the Lee, the Lee Matthews style and the Mick Malthouse style. <laughs> the, the Matthew style coach is highly focused on his own team, less on the opposition. You always had the feeling that Lee would have been happy to print off his game plan and pin it up where everyone in the competition could see it and say, good luck trying to stop us. That was the Brisbane Lions under Lee. You knew exactly what they were going to do, but there were days when it was impossible to stop them. Years, in fact. And I'm not going to talk about the Mick Malthouse style coaching because we don't like Mick. But what I say is this, okay, from that. And that this book, this this the Bible, this gospel, has given us proof yet again that what we need to do as a football club is what we just spoke about then. Take the game on, number one, first step. Play our way, take the game on. Number two, which is what we're about to speak about now, learn to put teams to the fucking sword. Now, Jules, you have been banging on about this for a long, long time, and I'll give you credit, Okay. Last year against the Hawks, last year against Port Adelaide, those fade outs, you hated it, right? And against a side like North Melbourne now, I'm on board. I'm on the bandwagon saying that should have been a 60-point win, like what Geelong did today to the Hawks. That's what we yeah. should have been seeing. And we faded out in the last 10 minutes again, and it is not a habit that we should be getting ourselves into at this stage in our development. Yeah, for me... It's non-negotiable. It genuinely shouldn't have happened. I don't know. We just capitulated, really. Um, I watched. I watched it back, especially that last quarter. Um, and this was a, this was a this was something that was happening over the course of the game. To be fair, but really in the last quarter, it really got on my nerves. The amount of broken tackles. All right, and there weren't even broken tackles where we we're actually going for it. Like the actual tackling, what there wasn't. There was no ferociousness ferociousness in it whatsoever or any tenacity in them. Um, they were just half-assed tackles and they were breaking them with ease. We were getting fingernails on them. D those kinds of tackles, those fake tackles. I'd like uh, to know I, the stat because I know they counted. I'd like to know how many missed tackles we had actually, to be honest. Oh, mate, it would have been through the charts. I would have loved to get my hands on it, to be honest with you. And I would have spoken it as well during my calcs as well. But uh, if, if there was, if anyone does know it, let us know, please. 
But the, the amount of like two-handed tackles just got their fingernails on them or one-handed tackles or just put their arm out there or, you know, the a quick fend-off without even trying to tackle their arm and things like that was a joke. Ima- imagine if that would happen against Melbourne, what Petrarca, sure. Oliver, and the like would have done. But this is what I understand and because we can't... thing is, even though it's North Melbourne, you need to make sure that you have standards, okay? Yeah, absolutely. That's not the standards that I want to have as a Carlton football player. So I've got a person that actually watches a big fan of the club. I don't want to see that. And what I'll say is this, this club's mindset has changed because I saw a quote from Weedering here. This is from at up the baggers on Twitter. He does a fantastic job. Carlton using stats with providing as much Carlton content um, from interviews and whatnot through Twitter. Um, And he's, he's posted, uh, he's posted a, an excerpt from like a, a Carlton media article from Weedering today. And the quote, from Weedering is, I'll be honest here, it was a good thing. This is talking about the last 10 minutes. I'll be honest here, it was a good thing the camera wasn't on me. I was probably as furious as Vossi in that last five or six minutes. In my eight years at the club, I spent a lot of time losing. So at the same time, you've got to flip this into a positive. We've learned a lot of lessons in the past with no points in the back pocket. The way we want to finish the game is with our identity, and that's tough football. They showed us up. So it's something we can go. we have to go to work on. Um, and then he speaks about the club's leadership journey. It all comes back to the values and identity that we're building at the club. In my eight years, in Cripper's 10 years, Doc's the same, Ed Kerno, we've experienced a fair bit of losing. Sometimes you've got to take a step back and appreciate the position you're in, and winning is pretty handy. Um, but you don't want to go back to that losing feeling or culture. So for me, that says that, says that and it's a positive, right, that they're not happy with the way that we faded out, and that's fine. Words are fine. We now need to see action because this yeah, is more than a handful of times that we've faded out against teams now over the last year and a half. And it cannot be happening against teams that we are just much better, much better than. And in a game that we had full control over, full control. Yeah. It, and my thing is like, I want, like, it's for me, it's a not like a non negotiable to see a belting for a team against a team like Hawthorne, a team like North, et cetera. All right. But I also want to see a convincing win over teams like Adelaide. Yep. I want to see it because yep, I expect it. All right. Because I've had a look at their team. I just saw just pre-show. All right. They have a, a, a fair bit of talent on their list. You know, Rochelle, Rankin, you know, Tex Walker. I know he's getting a bit old, but he still kicked four goals last week. Um, last year or so, he's been in pretty good nick. All right. Um, they have a few go that go through the midfield. But if we get the likes of Kennedy and Walsh back this week, we still should win. We should win pretty convincingly. At least we should have a um, the game on our terms for the majority of the game. Hundred percent. Even 100%. if it's even if it's over there, and I know we haven't won Adelaide Oval. I know traveling; it's been a little bit difficult for us um, as well. But it's just another um, you know another step that we need to overcome. Yeah, I'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the the preview in a minute. Before we do, let's tick off some blues cues. Uh, this could be about the game that we've just spoken about. It could be about anything. This is all from the Instagram. And if you're watching live, leave some in the comments. If we get time, we'll get to the blues cues in the comments as we go. But straight off the Instagram, first one, Brandon Moon asks, "When do you think we will take our first loss?" And speaking of Adelaide, I actually think it's going to be this week, just quietly. You this week. Who have we got? We've got so we've got Adelaide and then we have Saints. Yeah. These it's one of the next rounds. two. It's I think it's one of the next two if we're gonna lose one for me. Yeah. The, the thing with I think we've got obviously like Adelaide Saints, West Coast, then we go what Brisbane. 
Who is it? And Brisbane then, Bulldogs. Or maybe they them yeah, flipped Brisbane and then Yeah, Brisbane Bulldogs. Something, something yeah. like that. So, I mean, I'm not looking in the too distant, fu- distant future, but if I was going to say, I mean, we shouldn't win these. Sorry, we shouldn't lose these next two games in my eyes. The Saints are pretty um, good, man. Maybe the Saints. Maybe the Saints. But we'll see, you know, obviously how they go this week as well. Um, but... Yeah, I just think, I think I just think if we play if we play the way we've been playing, especially to start games, Adelaide could give us some serious trouble, and we'll we'll get there. When we're yeah, I have no doubt. Game. I have no doubt they will. I have no doubt they will. But um, you know, like Collingwood are playing Saints this week as well, so we'll see. Obviously, how they go um as well. I reckon the maybe the Brisbane one. To be honest with you, I I can honestly see us win the next three games still. I hope you're right. Uh, Mitch Burton asks, how many touches for Walsh on Thursday? And Lockie McKinnon says, should we captain him in Supercoach? I think Walsh uh, will have 35, like he did in his first game back against the Bulldogs last year. And if you want to make him Supercoach captain, go ahead. <laughs> he's, a, he's a lock for me. I can uh, 28. Okay. <laughs> um, and a goal. I think I think he will kick a snag. Uh, Oliver Lynch asks, do the boys get up, uh, get around? Do the boys get, I don't know. Do the boys get caught up in hype around Walsh's return? Lesser individual. I'm not sure. I know Oliver's actually watching. So if you want to, uh, if you want to maybe rephrase what you've asked him. Is right. from, Sorry, Oliver. Joe just can't read. Sorry. I'm just confused, man. I just get confused sometimes, you know. Uh, Anthony Lucci asks, did we see our game plans, uh, the next layer in our game plan with that switch that we made at halftime against North? Yeah, I think we did. I think mm. we did. And we yeah. spoke about it in terms of moving that ball a lot quicker, right? Yeah. Can I just say, while we're here, and we'll actually, no, you know what? We'll talk about him in the votes. It's fine. We'll get there. Uh, Jimmy Laser asks, in the next four weeks, is a two wins from four a pass mark? So what do we say? We've got uh, Adelaide, Saints, Dogs, Brisbane. I would say two out of that West four. Coast. West Coast, Brisbane. Oh. Um, oh, for me, it should be more than. I think, I think three, three is possible. Yeah, I, me, I, I would say two out three. of four. Two out of four is a pass mark, considering where we're at in the season and and the and the record that we've built. But three would be nice. Three would be really yeah, nice. I'll agree with that. Silvio Cassano, um, he le- he left us a comment here, Jules. Your dad just says shit just, game, and that's what it. Three good looking roosters. You you are. <laughs> Uh, uh, Oliver Lynch, obviously, he's got his question in the chat. So, do they caught up? Um, do they get caught up in the hype of a player's return? Okay. Um, no, I don't. I don't think they will. I think they'll be boosted by Walsh's return. To be honest, yeah, I think I think they will too. Um, obviously, you know, last year, you know, obviously with with Doc having a long layoff and in the opening round, they really got around him as well. Um, and then even Marshbank as well, and he's returned late in the last. Um, sorry, um, when was it? I think it was in the Essendon game midway through last year, was it not? And then he, he then he he got injured pretty much straight away from memory. Um, but the boys yeah. got around him as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's only going to be positive. I think it will. And there were a few other questions around ins and outs for next week, which we will get to in the preview in a minute. Uh, Jules, anything else to say about? The North Melbourne game, I think we covered it pretty well. I know we haven't gone into individual performances yet, but I think we're about to do that right now, to be honest. Yeah, I think we're going to go into it now. My, um, I think it's going to be interesting to see when um, 
our team goes up against a good quality opposition, um, that's very um, structurally sound. I think we're going to get that. I, I don't know, if, for example, with Geelong, if they were at their peak. Um, I know they are usually structurally sound, but I don't know if they're really humming at the moment. Um, but when we do come up against that, maybe Saints will be the game, to be to be honest. Um, underline because they don't really they've got a lot out and they're still producing the goods. Um, so I think that might be the game where you know what um, structurally we'll see how we're going. Let's talk about the votes. And if you are watching live, leave your votes in the comments as we go. Jules, I'm going to start. You start because because your votes in the chats are probably going to be having a go at me, and I'm and I'll say something. Right. It's okay. Uh, I've got one vote here for Mitch McGovern. I think he was fantastic all game, all game. I thought his ball use was was really, really clean. Um, I thought his positioning in the back half was uh, impactful enough to stop North on the counter multiple times, pretty much on his own, and delay delay that transition football. Um, and I think Gov, since I know round one, he copped a little bit of flack for his last five minutes, but even for the rest of that round one game, I thought he was really solid. And every other game since, he has been someone that I've looked to personally in the back line and gone, no issue with how you're traveling, Gov. No issue at all. None. And it's it's exactly what we were all hoping and expecting from Gov this year. I gave two votes to King Charles, six goals for the big fella um, under the roof. The first half, Jules, Charlie and Harry, both, the service that they were getting inside 50 was disgusting. And somehow they still found themselves on the scoreboard with multiple goals by halftime. The only, the only good service they were getting was from each other. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Um, but I thought Charlie, and I've given him the two votes here, there was moments in that game, and it was coming up against a defense where you expected Charlie to make mince meat, which he did. And by all means, six goals was the pass mark in that game for me for Charlie. Uh, but he did things in that game that I, I was laughing at. Like we were laughing at Jules at how ridiculous it was. Like that one-handed grab oh, on the wing. It's a joke. Like piss take. Like so, like the way that you the the thing that made me laugh a couple of times was when the ball started coming in a lot quicker, Charlie with his defender one-on-one, you could see the defender starting to panic so much when he saw the ball coming towards his way. It made me laugh just going, if you're a defender on Charlie Curnow in 2023, you're going to be shitting a brick every time that ball comes inside 50 because he can make something happen like from nothing, from absolutely nothing. But I had to give the three votes. I had to, to Harry Mackay. Yes. There were a couple of typical Harry Mackay instances where he was a little bit clumsy and the, the goal of the year contender in the first half was incredible. The banana after dropping it and, and having to pick it back up and whatnot was phenomenal. His miss in late in, in the last quarter was the absolute lowest of the low. But when you've come off three games, we've copped a fair bit of flack and you've kicked four goals. You've had 14 marks around the ground, which is the key one for me, 14 marks around the ground. He had two direct goal assists as well to go with his four, four goals, um, four contested marks, six marks inside 50 um, and kicked four goals himself. I just thought that's the bounce back game that you expect from a, a player of Charlie's, of Charlie, of Harry's caliber. Um, and we got it in spades. And I just hope that we do see him play against Adelaide and he does get off on this appeal um, tomorrow night, I'm assuming is when the appeal is going to take place. Um, 
And yeah, I just hope Harry's back after that game. He looked a lot more com- confident and a lot more comfortable out there, regardless of a couple of um, heart and mouth moments. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, so with my votes, my votes were done pretty much straight after the game, um, maybe even Saturday, actually. Um, and then obviously having to look back at it, um, I actually changed my votes pre-show, probably about half an hour or so before, but it was too late, apparently. Um, so I'm going to say why I voted Gov, Cripps, and Charlie, and then I'll go into why um, I really wanted to change them. But then Joe with his, um, you know, his radical views it. and his no, um, communism sort of nature, and he's, um, no, he hasn't no. given me any. No, it takes time. So, it takes time to do these graphics, Jules. You got to give me much more time. You can change them. Can you put time. my actual votes in the actual votes? No, because that's done as well. So just continue. That that should be very easy to do, should it not? The votes are submitted. It's like the Brownlow. Like the the umpires don't get there on Brownlow Medal Count Night and go, oh, hold on, hold on, wait, 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 wait. I have to change it because I realized I realized when right, I gave so, the votes out. Um, so Gov won votes for obvious reasons. I feel like as if the if he stays healthy, all right, he is a player that gives us an opportunity to win another three, four games. I reckon he's that kind of player. The amount of times he's very similar to Saad in the nature where he saves us a lot, all right, yep. because of his closing down speeds and intercepting marking ability. And then he also, with his kicking ability and his burst and dash across half back, he's able to set us up as well. So um, going forward. So I feel like as if he's, um, if he can stay fit, play 20, 21 games this year, um, and then hopefully peaking at the right time of the year, come finals time, um, he's going to be a big, big um, player for us, all right? especially in finals, I reckon. Um, Cripps, I gave it two votes because I felt like as if in the midfield, he was probably the only person that was doing um, little to much, I would say. Um, and then Chari with the bag of six, um, pretty obvious. Um, I did want to take Cripps out, though about half an hour to an hour before the sh- prior to the show, um, and then put H in there. The reason why I didn't put H in there uh, was because of Joe's, um, well, didn't really give it reasons of not to put him in there, but um, obviously because of dropping the ball, some of the sh- stupid stuff that he was doing in regards to um, the out-of-bounds and the full, um, some of his kicking and things like that. Um, I was just like, because the way I think, if you're a forward, you've got to kick that goal because if that's not the goal that that could be the goal of the opportunity or even a kick inside forward 50 that potentially against a good side might cost us a game. So that was my sort of emotional thinking um, straight after or the 24 hours post um, the game on Friday. Um, But then obviously watching the game again and all the positive things he did do um, not even the inside 50, but between the arcs as well. Um, I wanted to give him a lot of credit as well. There was another per player as well, which probably didn't really have the biggest um, disposal game, um, but I reckon um, pretty pretty honourable mention. And if there was four votes, he'd definitely be in it, but he's not. Um, he's Chera. Um, I just feel, um, I mean, last year before he did go out, he was playing well. Um, then he had a bit of an injury on the sideline for a bit, came back and probably wasn't his best. The last couple of rounds, like especially against Collingwood, I think he got close to 30 and kicked two. 
Um, and then obviously the start of this season, he's been averaging about 25 disposals. Um, but what I want to say that has gone up and through the roof is his pressure and his tackling. And yep. you can see it. I think he laid about seven or eight tackles on the weekend. Um, only had about 18 disposals. Um, but I feel like as if with the players like Kennedy that's been out, even Hewitt, um, only a couple of weeks, uh, he's been a player that's really stepped up in that area. And I think with Kennedy and Walsh coming back this week, I'm very excited to see what Ches can do because he's now like fourth in line or third in line every week as that midfielder that we look to. So he's going to be freed up massively. Uh, yeah. Just before we move on to the votes leaderboard, Dynamic, uh, I do know who Tom Selleck is. And I've never, I've actually never been told that I look like Magnum PI, but I will take that because Tom Selleck was a very, very good looking man. And, you know, sometimes you just got to take what people give you, you know, and, and I'll, I'll so take that one. Are we, are we going to nickname you Magnum from now on? Apparently, apparently that's the nickname they want to give. And I'm, I don't think that's going to stick, but I'll, I'll take the credit. That's fine. You know, I, uh, I'll nickname you Mags. The votes leaderboard stands as such. We've got Lewis Young in fifth on seven votes. Nick Newman and Adam Saad tied in third on eight. Cripper on 11 and Charlie on 15 votes, leading the Almost Blues Brothers most valuable player for 2023 after four rounds so far. To finish off the review, as we always do, she is back. Livy's last word. Hey, everyone. It's Livy with Livy's last words, and this is what I thought about the game. First of all, we're never, I never want to see that again. First half was absolutely terrible. North's ball handling was way stronger than ours. But second half, I've got to say, that was the best. I was jumping out of my seat. I was absolutely pumped. Pumped, pumped, pumped. Just unbelievable. I I'm so happy we won. I sang that song. We dominated first half. But I found a thing. If we dominate first half and we do bad in the second half, we're going to lose. It's just us. We're going to lose if we dominate first half. But yet again, that that um second half, I reckon that was the best second half we've ever played since 1995 when my um, big sister was born. Not the best day, but not the best year, but whatever. But... Boys, I'm pumped. Absolutely pumped. Thursday, I'm absolutely pumped. Sammy Walsh is back. My baby, the prince, is back. But anyways, Charlie, the Kerner brothers absolutely dominated it. Dominated it. Absolutely. I reckon Charlie Kerner's definitely going to win the Coleman medalist this year. And I reckon we, we're going to play the finals. We're going to play the finals this year. I, I just have a feeling. We're going to play amazing. Just absolutely amazing. And a special shout out to Jesse Mortlock. He is such a young gun. He's a gun. He's a, such a strong player. And that goal reminded me of Eddie Betts. Which made me sad, but happy that we can have another Eddie Betts on the team. So, yeah. But... Ollie Hollands, you absolute legend. He's he's gonna win the rising star. You already know it. He's such a strong player and he's just started. He's just started and he's such a strong player. You already know he's winning the brand. He he's winning the rising star, you know it. You just know it. But 
he's just a strong player out there. He just gives it his all, and you can tell. You can absolutely tell he gives it his all. He's a special shout-out to him as well. So, Jesse and Ollie, you get the special shout-out. But I'm pumped to see Samuel Walsh back, and that's what I thought about the game. Go the Blues! She's a ripper. She just ripped on. She? she just ripped on Dan's Mrs. Lauren by saying, "As the best half that we've played since 1995, which is the year that my big sister was born, which wasn't the best day nor the best year, but whatever." <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's she's Lauren or what? Oh, well, I don't know if Lauren's heard that yet, but if she does, she, yeah, she's going to give her a nice little whack. Um, to finish off, as we always do, the round five preview against the Crows this week. We are playing. On Thursday night, we are op- opening Gather Round. I don't even know what that means, but we're opening Gather Round for Round Five. It's the extra round. I've been round telling people it's, been, it's, it's Magic Round. Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, Thursday night, I think 7.40 is the bounce. Adelaide requested us to open the round, I believe. And why wouldn't they, considering we have never, ever beaten them or Port Adelaide or won a game at the Adelaide Oval in the history of that ground. So, Jules. This is a big one. I think this is, to be fair, and considering where Richmond and Geelong sit, like so in retrospective, I think this is our biggest test yet. This is probably our first true test of the season. And for me, I am thankful, thankful that we are, we've already been told that Kennedy and well, Kennedy should play, but that Walsh will definitely be returning as well as Blake Akers, as long as he doesn't have a setback with his little niggle that he had from the game a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Much, much needed boosts to this side at this point. And that those midfield numbers that you spoke about with clearances, we're going to really, really have to get on top of that quickly and get our one wood back very, very quickly for this game on Thursday. Yeah. For, for me, um, I've been looking through Adelaide's numbers. Um, they're not they, – they don't win the clearance battle. They don't, they don't win it. That's not their game. They're a modern-style game. They work on transition – um, so and that's sort of what we've been doing at the moment. I think if we can keep the ball inside out, I mean, it's pretty obvious, but I feel like as if, if we can keep the ball inside forward 50, all right, and not allow them to transition easily. Um, and that's obviously through our structure and our setup behind the ball. Um, I feel like as if with the talent that we do have in there, um, I know I've seen a few comments in, um, in regards to Motlop and how dangerous he's been. Um, as of late, especially the game on the weekend, I feel like as if with our two talls in H, Charlie, um, and Dirt's obviously a little bit quiet over the weekends, but I know what we have seen and, and the Motlop and what they can do. Um, I feel like as if we should be able to put a, put a score on, to be honest. Uh, Isaac Rankin and Josh Rochelle. Yeah. yeah. Scare the shit out of me, to be honest. They've been because- freakishly good. Mate, they like this Adelaide side is actually very, very exciting to watch. I've watched, yeah. I've watched, and then you've uh, even got three. Tex as well, kicked, kicked four as well. So he did, but well, I think we can subdue Tex. Like Tex, weed is with Tex. That that doesn't that doesn't concern me. It's the other two at the moment that are just causing havoc. Um, every time they step out onto the park, Rankin in particular, but Rochelle off the half forward flank is just doing yeah. things for that side that they have. Who missed. goes to him? So I think Gov. Um, well, I think Newman. 
see this this is where my head's at like i think newman just because he's done a lockdown job on like a medium small tight with green i think yeah. maybe take him to rochelle but that could push newman too far up the ground at times and we lose our structure at the back so I, yeah. i'm not i think he's the logical matchup this stage gov probably has the speed for rankin to close him down but my uh, after what I saw Adam Saad do to Tyson Stengel a couple of weeks back, he's probably the one that I'd be sending to Isaac Rankin. So yeah. I feel like... I'm, I'm with you. I reckon Gov yeah. will go to Rochelle. Rochelle. Um, Gov. Yeah, and Saad, yeah, Gov. See, yeah. I'm, sticking with, I'm sticking with Newman, and I'm thinking that Gov think, can just slot the yeah, hole. I, I, I just think, because I think Rochelle obviously gets up the ground. Um I mean, again, it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the course of the week, how they plan. Um, yeah, and then Saad will go to Rankin. I reckon that's a lock, to be honest. Yeah, Saad to Rankin feels feels about right. Um, yeah, I've, I've watched three of Adelaide's four games, and I've actually really liked what I've seen. I know they got done by JWS in the first round, but they probably should have won that game quite comfortably. They missed a lot of chances in the first half. Um, yeah. And I think the way they move the ball is quick. It's mm -hmm. clean more often than not, and it exposes opposition defences that are too stagnant. Yeah. And that's what I'm worried about. Now, I say that we need to be on top of our contested game because if we let a side that is weaker in that contested game get yeah. on top, we have no chance of winning this game. No chance. Yeah. The and only the chance – the chance that I see us having in this game and dominating from the outset – is that bruising, brutal footy from the centre and from stoppages that we became accustomed to last year. Do you remember the game? It would have been around 15 or 16, I reckon, against West Coast away last year, that first yeah. quarter. Yep. Where well, we it was just relentless, relentless Re repetition, inside 50, inside 50 pressure. It was just manic pressure. Yep. I think that's what we need to see on against Adelaide on, on Thursday night. That's, yeah, that's, I, I that's don't, the kind of game we need to see. I don't think this is a game where we can rely on this newfound transition style or ball movement that we're trying yeah. to play. I think we we see we need to find our one wood. And with the ins that we've both got here, and we'll talk about the ins and outs now, mm -hmm. if we can't, with Walsh and Kennedy coming back in for Acres, and Acres as well, um, Acres aside, but with Walsh and Kennedy back into that midfield group, we should dominate at centre clearance, honestly. Like, mm -hmm. the bounce of that ball every time. I know they've got Riley O'Brien. He's a brilliant ruckman. But all Pito needs to do is throw his body around. And it's back to round one last year against the Tigers when we saw just brutal footy out of the middle. Every time there was a goal kicked, it was just relentless to get the football and feed it out and get it inside inside 50 quickly, lock it in. That's That has to be the game for us at Adelaide for four quarters. Because if it's not... They are gonna they are they're gonna give us some serious, serious headaches. Yeah, we need to just be able to play it on our terms because I feel like as if they can turn it over, then they can cause us obviously damage um going the other way with you know, when they do turn it over, they're gonna have space. So if they have, do have space that you know, the likes of Rankin, Rochelle, etc., they're gonna cause us a lot of a lot of headaches. So yeah. um I feel it's gonna be interesting. Um I still feel Darcy. like our two tall fell two our tall forwards should do damage. Well, Darcy Fogarty as well. He did he did a number on us last year, which pissed me off uh, that we allowed him to to do what he did to us. Um, I think Lewis Young has a matchup on his hands here that he really, really needs to get physical in. Um, because if he doesn't, Darcy Fogarty could get off the chain and kick three or four and cause some headaches again, like we saw last year. Yeah. Um, now, we've both got Walsh and Kennedy in along with Akers. I think they're the three logical ins at this point, unless there's any further injuries that come out that we can't foresee leave your ins and outs in the comments as we're doing this, but 
the the question that everyone had during our blues cues more more so was uh, at this point it looks like O'Brien and Honey probably come out. Who's the third or who's the sub? And we're both going different here. Now, if if you want to start, Jules. Yeah, I felt um, I was I was arming and arming on a few players to be honest with you. Um, I was arming and arming on Kerno, so Ed Kerno. Um, just because if we are going to be bringing in those kind of midfielders, then what was going to happen, I'm like, oh, maybe Ed Kerner could go obviously half forward because he sort of did majority of that against Richmond and sort of had a pretty good game there as well. Um, and that's the kind of position that he was playing, obviously, in the preseason. Um, then I was arming, arming and arming on Fisher, but then I thought, you know, against, against um, Adelaide, we sort of want that pace um, and that foot school. So I'm like, oh, may, maybe not. Um, and then I said Silvani because I feel like as if we are going to play the two rucks, TDK and Pido, um, I feel like as if Silvani can still make that impact off the, oh, as a sub, um, I guess. Um, but if even me, I'm not really um, confident in my decision. Yeah, because I think it is a very difficult decision to make once all these players do start coming back into um into selection even with martin uh potentially coming back as well not sure what's going to happen there um i still feel like as if he should make his way through the vfl um but yeah it's good it's good it's good to have these headaches yeah i've i've gone fisher um for the reason that uh i actually want ed kerno in the guts and at center clearance we spoke about this on friday jules with walsh that we both actually think he's going to come off the half forward line anyway to be honest um, for uh, for a lot of the time, he he will attend stoppages and center bounces and whatnot. But we saw it last year where he'd come off the half forward flank and then join the stoppage crew after the the center bounce. Um, I think that's Fisher's role at the moment, and with Walsh coming in, that's a straight swap at this point. If Walsh plays that role, um, I think with Acres back in, we've got the pace or not the pace, but we've got the 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 legs on the outside and the ball use to to go forward. And obviously, Ollie Holland's been doing a, a fantastic job as well. Fisher for me can come in late in the game and inject some speed if we need it. Um, and some and some slick ball movement from the outside if we do decide that that's a way that we want to go. For me, and it's tough, he had 28 touches, but I have not been impressed with what I've seen with Zach Fisher so far this year. And I think it needs to be a little bit of a wake-up call to him um, to say, mate, you've got, like you said, Jules, you've got Cunningham, you've got Martin, you've got um, Owies that are probably all going to be looking to come back into this side on that half-forward spot. You've got some competition coming you need to hold your spot and you need to hold it by having a lot more impact on a game um, than what we've seen so far. And I don't know if that's too harsh on fish, but you know, six or seven years in the system at this point, your, your expectations do rise, especially when you're at a club that is looking to make strides towards a flag. So for me, that's, that's why I've gone with fish. And I think it's just been based on what I was talking about with dominating the center clearance, Ed Kerno for me, that was, that were the two that I was, tossing up between i think mm. ed kerno can do a lot more damage at center clearances um by throwing his weight around if we need him in there so that's yeah. that's all yeah I, I don't know i'm still tossing and turning to be honest with you uh i feel like as if even if we do have ed kerno is there in there is there too many of the same kind of player um, that's all yeah I, I, get it. I get it you know so even even myself i feel like as if it's it's i don't know i feel like as if i still need a bit of time to actually think about my decisions i'm not um, I'm not happy with my decisions that I've made. 
Does that make sense? Yeah, and look, um, I know I've said, and for me, I know I've said Fisher, but I, I don't think he's actually going to be the sub. This is just our opinion on what we think on if we were match committee, what we would do, right? And I just think at this stage, for me, Fisher should be the one, just based on form. I know there's a few people in the comments saying that he's just hit form and he got a couple of coaches' votes. That's fine, but I, I wouldn't have given him votes on Friday, to be honest, not from what I saw. Hmm. Um, that's it, Jules. Predictions. Oh. Um. Carlton by 21. It's a This is a tough one for me because if it's the Carlton that we've seen um, for the majority of the last four weeks, I actually think we're going to get done. Um, regardless of Walsh and Kennedy coming in, I think I think this is this is too much of a danger game for us. Adelaide Oval's against us. Adelaide's against us. Our, 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 the way that, well, the inconsistency in the way that we've been able to sort of take it to teams is against us. But then I look at Walsh and Kennedy and I go, fuck, if, if that midfield's on, we're going to be hard to stop. So I, I don't, I don't know. I really don't. Mm. I'm, I'm going to say just for the sake of ending the pod on a good note, I'm going to say Carlton first win at Adelaide Oval in our history and we'll beat them by three points. It'll be another heart attack to be honest. Yeah. I just feel like as if this is another hurdle that I reckon with the squad that we have available um, and what I know that we're going to be able to produce, um, it should be a win. Let's hope. Because if it is, we're five, one and zero after six and we're flying, man. We are genuine. If we win, I'll tell you now, if we beat the Crows on th- – this is where I'm at with this game. If we beat the Crows at Adelaide Oval on Thursday, okay, in a, in a – and I don't care how it gets done, right? It just needs to be a win. If we beat the Crows on Thursday, in my mind, the lid won't be off, all right? I'll keep it on. But in my mind, it'll just tell me that we can beat anyone anywhere this season. That's where I'm That's where I'm at because this is a mental hurdle. I'm sorry. I don't care what anyone says, whether people think absolute garbage or whatnot. This is a mental hurdle for us, this game. It's massive. It's huge. Yeah. I I, I know Adelaide, I know what they can do. Um, my thing is our best can beat anyone. It's just whether Absolutely. we produce. It's just whether we actually want to produce it or not, you know? 100%. Like you saw it in the third quarter, how, how we were able to handle ourselves compared to the fourth quarter. And the way we just like let our lead, I think it was like it went out to like a 46 point lead, something like that. You know, we just saw it diminish in the space of like five, 10 minutes. Um, so at the end of the day, it's it's up to us. There's no, t- North Melbourne shouldn't have been in the game. Like in terms yeah. of in the quarter, not the game. Agree. Jules, we're going to be at the Great Northern Thursday night. Large contingent. There's oh, going to be a hundred of us. <laughs> Mate, we, 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 we've got dogs in attendance, everything. Cats, dogs, <laughs> hermits, whatever you we're want, just come. We've generally got 20 people coming, I think, on Thursday. Joe, group. So we'll, be, we'll be at the Great Northern Hotel. There's Thursday a lot of bandwagoners lately in, in, Cal- in, our, yeah, contingent, in our contingent. Which I don't mind. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not one of those people that says I don't I'm – not, I'm not against the bandwagoners. Because you know what? I spoke, about this with, I spoke about this with Dan during the week, just to finish off. I remember the days that we used to go to Marvel Stadium in front of 10,000 people and watch us get beat by the likes of Fremantle on one leg or GWS with 16 players. And it was just us. And no one wanted to know about Carlton. Now, if everyone wants to know about Carlton, share. Let's just share in the love. I'm all for it, man. So get around us. Get to the Great Northern Hotel. If you are there on Thursday, come and say hello. Come and have a chat. And until then, Jules, up the fucking baggers, man. Come on, the baggers. See you at the Great Northern. (laughs)